Hey, JT. Hey, Jeremy. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, buddy, what's up? Do you want to watch this movie? It's way back from the 80s. I never watch it anymore. Not since I had cable TV. I might have really liked it, but maybe not. I guess we'll just have to see. Would you want to watch this movie? I can't promise it's a good movie. Let's proceed. June 13th, 1986. With a Metacritic score of 61, I bring you a movie from the writer of Manhattan. From the writer of Manhattan Murder Mystery. As also the writer of The Manhattan Project. Director Marshall Brickman brought all three movies to life. He has a thing for Manhattan, I guess. <laughs> Anyhow, this movie starts stars Jonathan Lithgow, Christopher Coulet, as it's pronounced, a pre-constantly sad-looking Cynthia Nixon, and baby <laughs> Robert Sean Leonard. You know, we just talked about Dead Poets the other day. Sure this did. is apparently his first role. He's got a little, uh, little spot in this one. And there's nice. even a cameo from one Debbie Gibson. Oh, how 1980s of you. Right. Let me tell you a little story about Paul Stevens. From one perspective, a clever high school student with a natural talent for physics and soccer, struck with some puppy love and a great relationship with his teacher. From another, a budding young terrorist aiming to strike fear and mayhem in the heart of suburban America and subvert anyone in his circle to his dark and devious ways. I bring you the Manhattan Project. <laughs> now, <laughs> Paul's a clever young lad and everything's going great, I think. He's on the soccer team, maybe, and he's doing well in school, it seems. Has a girlfriend, I think. Good attentive parents, probably, and gets along well with his teachers. So sort of like Brian combined with Claire and Andrew from The Breakfast Club. Those are the, you know, the three that aren't derelicts. Right. I don't recall the exact sequence of events, but basically Paul gets excited about the science fair Maybe his teacher, which if you haven't guessed yet is John Lithgow, encourages him. Maybe he's just seen other cool stuff and gets all excited about it. I don't quite recall this part. I think his school class maybe gets a tour of a nuclear laboratory, but maybe his dad works there. I, I haven't quite managed to sew that all together, but something plants a seed in his head. Maybe he's an intern. Okay, so there's a nuclear facility involved in all this. Now, JT, don't ask me why. But just let it be said that our young lad, for reasons that made sense in 1980s movie logic, had full access to a nuclear research facility. And when I say access, I mean this movie includes a scene in which he channels his inner Indiana Jones to steal high-grade plutonium in a plastic squeeze bottle. How? Well, 80s movie plutonium is bright green with shiny flecks, just like palm olive. Because palm olive just like plutonium, is strong stuff. And I'm sort of pseudo-quoting <laughs> there. Also, this fully works. And the nuclear physicists do not figure it out for a decent amount of time. Why? Because 80s nuclear physicists were kind of dumb and easily thwarted by a high school student. Got it. I am not satisfied. <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> I hope you don't mind me crashing your party. But uh, yeah, you know what? I was I, I love this movie. And Jeremy was telling me about it earlier in the uh, in the week. And he, he I, 
yeah, you know, anyway. So the thing about Manhattan Project is, is it is Goonies. We can go back to our, our Iron Eagle thing, right? It's Goonies, but in a nuclear material production factory. This is literally my first question was, this is Greenpeace Goonies, right? Like, that's literally my first question of my five big questions is, this is Greenpeace Goonies. It's Greenpeace, but sort of with a nuclear facility in the midst of it somehow. Well, I'll, I'll explain how I got to Greenpeace when I do my part. You guys keep going. It's like the opposite of Greenpeace. This leans in not only to the 80s obsession of, like, teenagers being able to do things that adults can't, that are ridiculous, like build portable nuclear weapons. Right. But also leans into the 80s obsession with nuclear anything, right? This is a prime Cold War, you know, anything nuclear we are obsessed with. Think, you know, war games. Think, you know, Hunt for Red October. It's all it's all about nuclear stuff. So this is Goonies. Okay, so this is where, Jeremy, I think your, your memory is flawed a little bit. So I don't think there is a father figure. By the way, what's nice about this, my memory could be just as flawed, but... I'm pretty sure I'm right. So, so there's no father. I think the mom is dating John Lithgow. They they live in a place. They live in. A, He's right. They yeah. He's right. Yeah, they live That's in a place, right. like a nuclear lab, and the father's out of the picture somehow. Uh, the kid is not an athlete. I think he's just sort of like a loss, like my parents are divorced kind of kid who's wicked smart, and. Uh, Mom starts dating a scientist at the local, you know, plutonium processing plant because I don't know what is it, Springfield, right? So, so they, uh, so yeah, so so he brings them for a tour of the plutonium plant. That's how he gets in there. That's how he gets access. Okay, so my 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 field trip thing was kind of close. Yeah, he's like showing off for the month. Oh, you know, yeah, I can take your son Paul. He's smart. I'll I'll, I'll show him off. You know, show off my nuclear power plant kind of a thing uh, because that's obviously a thing. So from there on, you you kind of have it right. I think uh, that the girlfriend is actually the the athlete, and it's important because there's a whole soccer piece of this that comes in, right? There is an important soccer piece. It's actually the there. There's one soccer piece I'm not. We're not going to talk about today because it's such a fun bit of the movie. If you see right. it or or not. So I, okay. I think that comes through Cynthia Nixon in a very like war games talk like '80s tropes, like war games. You have Matthew Broderick, the computer hack, and then Ali Sheedy's like an, an aerobicizer or something. But she's clearly supposed she's, to be athletic. <laughs> like she's yeah, she's definitely not the Ali Sheedy from Breakfast Club. Which, okay. would, which would be a way cooler continuity thing, but but let's go on, right? So they're they're dating, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So so that so that's the thing. Uh, a couple of, of of other notes I I just think are important to note. First of all, this is John Lithgow at his best. This is like pre TV John Lithgow. This is like movie. He's just phenomenal in this. Um, and the best part of the whole thing is that when he he breaks in to get the, the palm olive plutonium, right? I don't know if you remember this, Jeremy, but he thwarts all the security uh, of this, like, right, plutonium, physics, whatever. It's full of plutonium with Frisbees. Like, Frisbees right. are an essential part of the plan. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I forgot the Frisbees. Oh, thank you, Jeff. He goes in. He throws some Frisbees. The whole security <laughs> system goes haywire. It is not Frisbee safe. All you need in the 80s is a couple of Frisbees 
to to walk out with like a jug full of <laughs> of bright green plutonium, which is so. Ancient. JT, were there were there frisbees in the preview? Or were, no, it was the the preview was lacking frisbees. Oh well, clearly, clearly it's a clever ruse. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, he trips the motion sensors and stuff. That's right, and he runs. He throws the frisbee and then he runs. Right? There's a whole running sequence with yeah, him, like trying like to beat that. the timer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that was my moment where I was like, "Oh, I, I got to play ultimate." Jokes <laughs> 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 that I need. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, and then it ends with like this 007. I'm not going to spoil the ending, but there's definitely like countdown timers and and hinky physics and and things involved. Great, great, like classic. All of a sudden, only the '80s. You could end up in like, okay, everybody, you know, it's counting down. It's gonna stop on like I don't know. I assume it. The whereas this Bond movie would stop on 007. Maybe it stops on one. No, this is the '80s. So back then, all countdown timers only stopped at either one second to go or zero 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 point one second to go. I think it's the. I think it's the second one. Yeah, it's a more modern trope that people realize, like, you don't have to go to the last second to make something suspenseful. But, you know, back in the 80s, we only had that one second. That's all That's all we had to play with. Yeah, well, listen, everybody's felt like, a, a, like on your microwave, you love going over and hit and cancel right at one second so it doesn't do the extra beep thing. Everybody's been there. That's why they do it. We get it. Now, now there is one other thing I did want to mention. JT, do you like a good montage? Oh, I love a good montage. What What... What figures into most montages from your memory? Like when you think of a montage, what's the general centralizing theme of a montage for you? Music, music, music. Yeah. And are what, most montages are found in what kind of movies? Um, well, I mean, I, I think of them mostly in like the rom-com sort of like fun, funny thing where it's like, you have to, especially in the eighties, it's like, let's build a house. It's time to paint something. Oh, we got to get, we don't have enough time to explain how this car was built. Bump it up and up. Here it is. Exactly. And then, and, and also don't forget the sports month. Sports montages are always straight. Like the train, the training montage. The Rocky four. Yeah. Like let's, Hey, bad athletes. Good athletes. Two minutes later, got it. Yeah, That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah, through some. Yeah, just some, just some running. Just run up a hill, and you're and you're good. <laughs> I I again, the only montage I could even compare this to is a scene from Real Genius where they work on like inventing a better laser. Okay. We're just going to say that somehow they have made a montage that involves nuclear physics, 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 just physics. Yeah. I love it. I love the idea of I can just like hear, I can hear like the beat in the background where they just have like all these weird camera angles of like slowly a thing assembling over time, like weird costume changes. I hope that's what it looks like because that's what it looks like in my head. See, I, I, maybe we should add to this thing that I can go look up whatever music is used for said montage because I'm thinking this is, this is definitely deserving of like a Kenny Loggins, but probably didn't, it's probably more like, like discount Kenny Loggins, right? Sure. Yeah. Which is Randy Newman. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. So, so there we have it, JT. You want to give us your, uh, what, what are some of your questions there, buddy? Well, so first of all, you didn't ask me the most important question. I would watch this. For sure you should watch this. <laughs> this sounds like a good romp. So my first question was, this is Greenpeace Goonies, right? Now let me explain why. So the trailer, which Jeremy got to watch me watch, 
first of all, delightful at every turn because I'm like, oh, hey, I know you. I know you. I know you. There's like a lot of people in this movies and they're all baby versions because it's a long time ago. So I was like, oh, that's fun. Um, the reason I said Greenpeace is because at least in the trailer, what happens in the trailer is the kid finds a, fi- a five leaf clover and gives it to still happy Cynthia Nixon and still happy Cynthia Nixon goes, maybe you're just lucky. And he's like, it's near the plant that my jerk mom's boyfriend works at. And then she's like, maybe you're lucky. And he goes, here's a handful of five leaf clovers. And she goes, who did you tell? And he's like, just us. And she's like, we have to do something. Montage. And it's like him somehow in a nuclear facility getting plutonium. He has a swipey card. This is why I was like, oh, this is like the Goonies, but they're trying to do something better and expose these guys. Then the last scene is like, he has an atomic bomb and there's a bunch of guys pointing guns at him. I'm like, this is taking a turn. Like, it's not a, this is no longer Goonies. Like, what happened to One-Eyed Willie? This is bad. But it felt like they were trying to do something good, maybe by doing something bad. That was the sense I got from the trailer, which is why I was asking the question. Yeah, no, there was definitely no nobleness. But I do now remember the Five Leaf Clover scene straight up, like when he reveals this handful of them. Like, that. Uh, that is like... You know, I, I, I think JT is right. I think that we're... I think maybe it is a whole, like, anti-nuclear weapon, like free willy kind of a thing but i want to say that 1980s jeff and clearly 1980s jeremy got none of that all we got was like wow you could build a nuclear weapon cool we should try so this actually leads into my next question which is great so my second big question is two teenage yous there's yous guys now because i get i got a two for today did you say youths 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 Back when yous were utes, what science was most believable? Was this science more believable or was weird science more believable? Oh, this. This, yes. this, this is serious. This is not actually like a comedy. Right. Okay. This, is, this, is, uh, this is a, you know, like a almost suspense coming of age thriller with a couple of comedic moments as opposed to, okay. yeah, there's no Chet. There's no Chet. Looking back with like, you know, not no longer the 80s eyes, it there are definitely comic elements that like had. not the least of which is I, I was telling Jeremy this and, and he thought I was way too geeky about it. But like he walks out with like this this plutonium bomb under his arm, like maybe he stuck it in a lunchbox. And the original plutonium bomb fat boy weighed like a hundred thousand pounds like nuclear bombs are heavy like they're not they're not like carrying case and and like i i know that in the 80s we were obsessed with miniaturizing everything and maybe if you know sony had made this bomb i'd believe it but but it's a little hard to believe that he's walking around with like you know oh i just invented the portable nuclear device you know if anyone in the 80s is going to invent a portable nuclear device, it's going to be a teenager with little to no training with no access to the internet serious plans or anything else to help them do that well, just to be clear, in the trailer, he's carrying around like a Michael Kors sachet that I think is supposed to be a bomb, which is not like it's literally just like he's not even like carrying it like struggling. He's just like walk around the street like I got myself a briefcase. So, yeah, that, that's sus. Yeah. Uh, OK, next big question. Recast this movie today. Lithgow, boy, girl. Uh, so I probably keep Lithgow because he's so great in it. But like, let's actually do it for real for we're answering the question. So 
Man, I gotta say, you know, if he had not if he had not passed, I I would love I would have loved to see a, a Robin Williams take that role today. I think okay. he'd have nailed it. So I'm trying to think of someone else sort of like him, where where you have the that enough of that sensitivity, but also enough personality. Uh, on the kids, I think you have to star Timothy Chalamet because there's a law that he must be the teenager in all movies that are currently produced. Isn't that that's a thing? Oh, oh, how about George Clooney as the uh, as the professor teacher? He's not. He's not quite weird enough. I think you need someone who's like got a little bit of like wackiness. Sam Rockwell. Yeah, he's weird. <laughs> he's weird. He's wacky. Or 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 Robert Downey Jr. Could you take it there? I was thinking maybe like a John Cusack, even like a. At present, Ooh. John Cusack. At present, John Cusack, like working in a lab, feels right at home to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or 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 Joan Cusack. Ooh. Flip it up a little Ooh, bit. I like that. I like that a lot. Because oh, so she is it's weird. Like a, you could do like a single dad thing, and she's working in the lab, and then yeah. the single dad would be, you know, whoever. Oh, I like that. Actually, if we're going down that path, what about uh, also actresses who pull off weird really well, either at Tilda Swinton or... Uh, um, uh, Maggie Gillen, Gillenhall, Gillenthal, Gillenhall, Gillenhall, Gillenhall. That one, both good ones. Yeah, both good ones. I would go uh, in of those three. Maggie would be the least interesting to me because she does dramatic a little bit more so, I think, than Quirk. Um, but also, like you know, Win- Winona Ryder in her Stranger Things version of her is mm. pretty quirky. <laughs> pretty quirky. Still a little too klepto-y but you know, I think the possible. <laughs> What too too soon? Too soon? <laughs> no, that's great. I just love that. That's a descriptive term. I don't know. She's kind of klepto-y. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as for the female, uh, the the girlfriend. To be honest, I just don't know enough teenage actors and actresses these days. The only reason I even know Chalamet is because he is literally in all the stuff. Fair enough. Because you just like you can't because you can't cheat this one and do like Zendaya because it doesn't work. Uh, how about how old is uh, Chloe Grace Moretz? Chloe Grace Moretz could do it. Joey King is another one who is like kind of in that same. Which they're both getting a little bit. They're aging out of teen, but they can play it for another couple of years. You could do who is the who is the? Ugh, I'm not a Game of Thrones person, but but who is the? Uh, oh, uh, Maisie Williams is yeah. Arya Stark. Yeah, that's but the one. but but then it's a it's a flip again. Maisie Williams is the lead, right? And right, it's, but she couldn't play support. She's just too good and big. She, she's also actually would be perfect at it. She's got that. She can pull off like the nerdy, but also cool enough if, if needed. Yeah. That's a good one. And how about just to make it fun, we use Joffrey as the boyfriend. There you go. Well, you can't because he quit acting because that's how bad that role was for him emotionally. That's, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next question. Best John Lithgow movie from this era. Mm. This one. Harry and the Hendersons, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. No Raising Cain? Okay, you could throw Raising Cain in. Sure. Uh, are you familiar with said movie? I've ha- familiar, have not seen. It's one of those, like, there's a whole other side to Sir Lithgow. I'll just leave it at that, where he can play crazy real good. Yeah. Real, real good. So is your question best performance or like which John Lithgow do I want to hang out with the most? 
No, no, no. Let's do let's do like your favorite performance. Like of those four, I don't know. Maybe if you haven't seen the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, that's fine. I have but not. it's it's rated higher than this movie. It's got a seventy-two Metacritic, by the way. Um, Buckaroo Banzai has a seventy-two Metacritic. Sure did. And again, in the same world where Wall Street has a fifty-six. Correct. Right. Good. 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 Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> I I would put this Harry Buckaroo Banzai. Okay. Yeah, I would also put this on top. I I get a little uh yeah, I would put this on top. Didn't he do World According to Garp too? Is that uh is that John Lithgow? Could be. That Why I, not? I, awesome. I recall that being I haven't seen it in a million years, but I recall that being a phenomenal performance. I just think Lithgow this era like pre-TV, Third Rock, like just so good. He was such a great actor. Did such good work. Agreed. I think why I like him in this more than Harry and the Henderson is he's more dimensional here. Like this is where you can see him being a really intense guy, which he can pull off very, very well and was more known for on stage than he is on uh, on screen. So I actually like his performance in this, again, from 30 years ago, me, a lot. Fair. I might have. Totally I fair. might need to watch it again. I just, just might. So uh, the last question is always on a scale. You actually mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but so it worked out perfectly. But on a scale of real genius to Mac and me, tried to go in the science fiction realm, right? Real genius clearly being very highly esteemed by both of you. Mac and me clearly being a dumpster fire of a movie. Uh, where is the Manhattan Project? So I, I had to note that this is uh, War Games meets The Goonies. And and by the way, I would like to understand why it is not more of an 80s movie like those two. Like this, this should be next to War Games on the kind of movies people talk about as like an 80s thing. So again, probably need to see it again and find out that it's not nearly as good as, as I thought it was. <laughs> but now, by the way, the Frisbee scene, to be clear... He's standing in a corner of a room of this huge lab room and he throws one Frisbee one way and then throws the other Frisbee the other way and then runs. And they use those to trip off all the motion sensors. Yeah. And that's how he steals the plutonium. Yeah, he's a, you're right. Not a room, a hallway, like like a crossroad. Yeah. And he throws down both. And he's got a good arm. I mean, he gets some distance on those bees. It's nice. Who stole the bee? Stole the bee, man. <laughs> All right, guys, I got to go because uh, Shabbos. All right. But uh, it was fun. I, JT, thanks for being a good sport. I hope you don't mind us crashing, me crashing. Um, by the way, was like, <laughs> in order to get this to work, I just said, I, I was on like a, a FaceTime call with Jeremy the whole time you, got, you guys were doing the whole, like, while you're watching the thing and I'm watching the Shabbat timer, like, tick, tick, tick. And uh, and you're like, oh, I just need another minute. I'm like, oh, I didn't watch the trailer yet. So I texted, I texted you. I'm like, this is like when you play hide and seek and you find too good a hiding spot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just want to jump in and talk. And I'm like, I can't. And, oh, it was, it was awesome. But anyway, all worked out. Well. I'm glad it worked out. It definitely worked out. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, Jeff. Uh, I'm sorry you can't cast on Shabbos, but, you know, we understand. Dude, I don't right. cast on Shabbos. Don't cast on Shabbos. On Saturday, Walter. I'm Shomer Shabbos. What's that, Walter? Yeah, and in the meantime, what do I tell Lebowski? Saturday, Donnie, is Shabbos, the Jewish day of rust. That means I don't work. I don't drive a car. I don't f***ing ride in a car. I don't handle money. I don't turn on the oven. And I sure as shit don't f***ing roll! Sheesh. Shomer Shabbos!
Walter, how am I going to shop? More f***ing shops. Oh, f***. That's it. I'm out of here. Oh, come on, dude.